Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. Foot homemade oak bar, pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris, his name is Craig. This is Bucks in the Basement, 30 minutes of Bucks. That's all we're going to talk about is the Pittsburgh Pirates, a team that when you look at who is on the roster going into 2022, every single guy is under control for like nothing. Like you're either offering arbitration or they're on their minor league contract, Craig. I mean, like I've never seen, I don't think in the history of rebuilding teams has it ever gotten to the point where you are under no obligation to anyone. I mean, the only guy you could make an argument that you're under obligation to is that scumbag Vasquez that you're, you're going to owe $1 million if you had to buy him out, but he's just going on the restricted list, right? Yeah, he's going to go back on the restricted list again. Uh, the process is, is still evolving, and, and I just see that it's that's what's going to happen. It's just that paperwork, you know, right. you got you to dot, dot the I's, cross the T's, and everybody's just pretty much ignoring his existence, which is the way he should be treated. But all you're doing is even worst case scenario, you owe him a million dollars to go away. You're not you're not picking up his option. You just owe him a million dollars to go away. So, I mean, like, it, it, it's the goofiness of the whole thing. I, when I look at this team and I think to myself, like, you could do anything. But then again, you could do anything because your talent level is so poor. Like, when I look at the overall, like on spot track, where they put up the entire roster. And they show you what what the team is, it, it, what their what their current payroll is right now in 2022. Going into it, their active payroll is 28.3 million dollars going into the season. Their uh, suspended restricted money, which is if they picked up the Vasquez contract, is 10 million. But that, that's really not that's not even real. And they retain yeah. three million dollars in salary. I mean, t- really, they're 31.3 million dollars. If you take out the Vasquez stuff, I mean, it, it's insane. Like you could make the argument that if all of a sudden a really rich guy just showed up, you could just go into free agency right now and put together a competitive team because you could buy anything you want to. We're not going to do that. I hope this money's being put in a bank somewhere for when the team becomes competitive and Ben Charrington goes to Bob Nutting and says, I need these two guys in free agency and we're going to start going after guys that want an awful lot of money, but I saved you a hundred or 150 million off of what you would have spent over the last couple of years with this payroll that it's actually there. I don't know if it will be, but that's how it should work. I mean, that's, that's where, you know, we have to put our hope in, in Ben Charrington and Travis Williams and Steve Sanders that they basically didn't leave cushy jobs in other places to come work for Bob Nutting who is notoriously cheap unless they had some sort of agreement. I and mean, we, we talked about this where, you know, Ben Charrington sitting up in with the Blue Jays, a team that 
you know, is pretty much rebuilt at this point in time, they can obviously make some minor moves in there. You know, Travis Williams had just, you know, left the Penguins. He's sitting out there with the Islanders and and getting to do what he wants within the NHL. And then they're called back in by Bob Nutting. So you have to hope that that's what it is. But even like Ben Charrington, when he had his like, you know, conference with with the, the media as he's leaving, he's the one that's standing up there and saying he doesn't look to be, you know, spending that much money on the outside. A lot of it's going to have to come from the inside. Right. So you would think that he's doing that to be able to save that money, like you're talking about, Chris, for, you know, almost like your rainy day fund or, hey, we're finally good again fund. Let's start paying. Because that would make that would make sense. Like the money has to go somewhere. Here's the thing. If there isn't an agreement like that between owner and general manager, then general manager would be out going, all right, well, then I guess I'm going to spend some money on something. Like even if he didn't spend it on players, like let's hypothetically say that no promises have been made to Charrington. And he's like, but I don't want to spend any money on anything because if the team's good, I don't get high draft picks. The money then as a GM should be getting thrown into player development. Contracts for people that you want to get in Major League Baseball that come in and are very good at developing young players. Changing the structure. Going after international signings. Uh, adding international scouts. If, you, if you're saving $30, $40, 50000000 million by not having a competitive payroll and it's not going into a big pot for when you finally become competitive, you could really make your team very good structurally from the scouting department to the minor leagues to player development to all the technology you could put around the team with that money and make yourself world-class in that regard while you're tanking for a few years, getting draft picks and developing players. So that's my thing. If for some reason he's given an amount of money and there's no guarantee if he doesn't spend it, he's getting it later on, that's what I would be expecting him to do. It's either one or the other. If the third option is he's not spending any money and he's not getting to use it later, well, you know, we're all just going to pull our hair out and scream into the sun and threaten to stop watching the Pirates. And, you know, and then Craig will be like, I got tickets. I can't wait to go see him. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll, be, we'll be the old men yelling at clouds at this at point in time. Right. I mean, that's so. where we'll be at. And here's the thing is like people are like kind of and we are doing the same thing to a degree is guessing you know, what Ben Charrington is building. I know. Because in some ben, aspects... Ben, will you, you come know, on be, the show, Ben? Ben Charrington, come on. I know you're <laughs> bored. I know you listen to podcasts. I know you're listening to Bucks in the Basement. Just come on the show. Come on the show. Yeah. Let's talk about it. We'll be fun. We'll hang out. We'll have a couple of beers if you're into that. You know, we'll we'll talk about the team. I'm going to ask that question, though. Like, what happens to the money? Like, what... You know, what? where are you investing what would have been your payroll if you were trying to be competitive right now instead of growing? Are you investing it into that structure? Are you saving it for later on? Like, it's like a war chest. Are you doing a combination of both? Or are we all just spinning our wheels? Like, that would be the one question I'd have to ask you. If you're cool with answering that question, or at least letting me ask it and you tell me no comment, and then I... I don't know. I, I guess I'd probably start yelling at you. Other than that, as long as you're cool with that line of questioning, we could just sit around and talk about, you know, the 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 many uses of Ben Gamble and and how Brian Reynolds is great and what you know, what's your favorite place in the ballpark to sit and watch a game? Like we'll we'll make the rest of the thing a complete softball interview if I can just get an answer to that question. All right, Ben. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah. I mean, are we the Rays? 
and our payroll is only going to go up. You know, you're saying, say like this year, I think it, at the, the end of the year payroll sat, let's just say like right around 50 million. Well, if we're going to be like the Rays, that means that our payroll is only going to go up like 10 million right. <laughs> from this point. And it shouldn't be which, that way. I mean, think about it. The Rays have a terrible facility. The Rays are not getting the, the attendance that the Pirates would get if they were competitive. If the Pirates were competitive, like what the Rays are right now, that place would be full. And you know it, and I know it. So you you can actually be a bigger Rays team. You could run your team like the Rays with a with a $100 million payroll. Because every team that's in the postseason, I think I went back and looked at this a, little, uh, a couple of weeks ago, every team that's in the postseason, with the exception really of the Rays, is in the top half of Major League Baseball's payroll. And so you could be like the Rays, but also have the ability to hold on to players, unlike when the Rays are just getting rid of people. Like, you'd be able to, to sign extensions. Like, this offseason, I'm still back on it. Brian Reynolds should be extended long-term. Give him the money, give him the contract, lock him in, be done. Because he's going to cost so much more when he finally becomes available. Right now, you still have that crappy 2020 you could fall back on when you're, when you're talking negotiations with him. He should be one of the main things you're doing this offseason is extending, is signing to a long-term contract, Brian Reynolds, instead of just just doing arbitration and going along. That he should be definitely look, even if you sign him long term, I think he's going to continue to perform. And if he's not part of the plan, you need to trade him. He's he's more valuable with a contract already, especially if you can get a team friendly one or one that's like just reasonable, which I think you could get off this guy. I really don't. Yeah, so you're basically talking about being either the Brewers or the Reds without the horrible Joey Votto contract or the horrible Christian Yelich contract. Right. Well, you have to be careful with your contracts if you're going to operate with such a small budget. You have to be you have to be careful with your contracts. On the other hand, let's say that you see a lot of teams see this when they're in a rebuild. They're in a rebuild and they're in the bottom five of uh, of money that's being spent, but they're also in the bottom five of people that are going to games. And when you start winning and you move up to, let's say, uh, in right in the middle, like your 15th in, in overall payroll, your attendance all of a sudden jumps up as well into that range. And if you're seeing attendance move with the money you put in, then you're making more money theoretically and you're able to continue to do things with your team. Look, even if Bob Nutting is not a he's not he's not the guy from the Mets. The guy from the Mets has so much money, he can just throw it away. He's a fan. He's a fan of the Mets that has billions of dollars and he can buy any player he wants to. He can he really can do whatever he wants to. He's like George Steinbrenner back in the 90s. Like he he's even bigger than that. He's got more money than George, I think. And he can do whatever he wants to. You're, you don't have that as an owner, but on the other hand, if the owner can be shown, hey, if you if you invest money here, you'll make more money. He made his money by understanding investment and understanding you spend money to make money, but you got to you got to prove it to him. So you know that's what I would hope that you know if this starts growing and there's a war chest and Charrington's able to spend the money, and then all of a sudden they start to get good, fans come back out and he starts to realize he can make more money, and then you're able to add that one extra contract that gets you over the hump. Because if you look at the the competition right now to win a World Series, there are plenty of teams that became good, that could win a division, that could get in there as a wild card, that don't even compare with the teams that are going to end up in the World Series. There's a whole other level. So at some point, you're going to have to figure out, like business-wise, how you not only build a core to be like the Rays, but when push comes to shove, will you be able to get yourself over the hump? The bad part about Bob Nutting was that if we look back to 2011, 2012, 2013, the team surprisingly got good in 2011, 2012, 
in the earlier stages of what I saw as the rebuild. And once he saw that money, like once he saw that the stadium start to fill up, PNC Park start to fill up, that's when he finally put his money in. But that's the exception to the rule, and he needs to understand that, is that you can't look for this team to surprisingly go from, you know, 101 losses this year to, I mean, unfortunately, some of those years, it was only like 90 losses, but you were in it for, you know, extended periods of time until you completely fell off the map. But that's when the fans started to come back. And I think that he was basically, I don't know if it was confused as to how this would operate within this team. So we can't wait for that miracle thing to happen. I'm saying that if Charrington does things correctly and builds something that becomes competitive and people start coming back because it's competitive, then you would hope that there would continue to be investment because, like what you just talked about. That yeah. it is possible to do that. It doesn't have to be you just get lucky Trying to be a flash in the pan doesn't work anymore in Major League Baseball. You need you need long-term growth, a solid base, and an owner that eventually understands that if I invest X amount of dollars, I will get a bigger return on my investment because the fans will show up. And that is, the I think, the simplest way to describe the path for the Pirates, and everything has to fall in a certain way, and that's why it's going to take a long time. Come on, let me break some people's hearts. I want to break yeah. some hearts. I want to kick some guys off the Pirates. We're going through pitchers. You know, we've already spent half the show worrying about Bob Nutting's money more than Bob Nutting worries about, worries about it. But here, let's, uh, let's, let's go through it and, and, and ruin some lives, Craig. Let's kick some people off a Major League Baseball team. Okay, we're going to start with the relievers here. I give you like a heads up when you're looking, listen to some stats. Get rid of all except one of them. <laughs> <laughs> you're like David Bednar. That's the only cool. guy I want. The rest of them are all replaceable. Listen, relief pitching is the least important thing for a rebuilding team that there is. It really is. You you find relief pitching at the end, and you go out and you sign a few guys at the end. You go find your closer that year that you realize we're going to be competitive. You go get that guy, and you spend money on him. Developing relief, relief pitchers is the reason they're in the bullpen. They're not as good as starters. If they were starters and they were that good, they'd make so much more money. The reason they're in the pen is they're not as good as starting pitchers. They're easier to find. But anyway, let's 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 break some hearts here. Yeah, because these are the guys. Because people are still interested in this, and and they're you know kind of vying for these. Guys, some of these guys. I don't care about relief pitchers at all. Who's interested in relief pitchers? Find find a new interest. Take up knitting. Go ahead. Okay, we got a guy, a negative point four WAR off the team. <laughs> Five sixty ERA. Jettison him to the sun. A 1.467 whip. You're gone. I don't even know why you're still reading about this guy. Who is it? Six, 60 strikeouts Terrible. in 45 innings. Brutal. Listen, if your whip is higher than 1.30 as a starter, you're a fringe fifth starter on a championship team. If your whip is in the 130s, if your whip is maybe like 1.25 or higher, you're at the low end of a relief pitcher. Because the whole idea is how many guys are you putting on base? And as a relief pitcher, you're probably in for one inning, right? And half the time, you're inheriting a runner. So you can add another runner to that. So your whip has to be low to be an effective relief pitcher. Having that, that that walks and hits per innings pitch immediately disqualifies you. You could have given me that he was a, a one war. I would have said he got lucky. Because that walks and hits per innings pitch tells you right then and there, he can't get out of a jam when somebody, when he comes in and there's men on base, and he can't pitch a clean inning when he's relied upon to do so. So he can't be a relief pitcher on a on a competitive team. That's Sam Howard. Bye. 
<laughs> okay, Chris, the next one. <laughs> one point two, and this is this is baseball reference war, which I'm gonna explain to people on this is why I use ba- baseball reference war. B war. B war for Sounds pitchers. Cooler. Right. Is because a lot of people go, they find fan graphs and they love fan graphs. But I've explained this to people a million times, but I will explain it one more time. Fan graphs war, F war for pitchers uses FIP, which is which is the fielder independent pitching, as their calculation for war, which is not a projective stat, it is a predictive stat that is only good during that season. It is it does not project. And for another thing, for relievers, it's not really it doesn't really fit into everything because it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't take everything into consideration. It doesn't take in. The easiest way to explain uh, FIP to somebody that I always say is y- your FIP is telling you whether or not the ERA makes sense. Did he get lucky or is that really what he is? That's what your FIP is. That, that, right? I mean, isn't that the simplest way to say it? It's saying take, take out any kind of weird bad bounces, a bad defender in there, a mistake in the lineup, whatever. And just does that ERA really hold up when you're walking around saying the guy's got a 3.25 ERA? Does he really have it or should he have a five? And that's what the FIP really is. So we have a guy that has a 1.2 war, B war. He's got a 3.20 ERA. His whip, which Chris always wants to hear, is 1.26. Okay. And he's he's not a big strikeout guy though. So he's got he's got 45 strikeouts in 56.1 innings. What are you thinking about this guy? I'll keep him. And the reason I'll keep him is because of the fact that, like I said, if you're, it, he's a bottom end guy right now, but he, you have promise if you're in the one twos as your, as your whips, your walks and hits per, what that says is he's putting on one and a quarter players for every inning he pitches. You know, he's still getting in the trouble. He's not a shutdown relief pitcher. He's gonna, he's gonna give up some runs, but you're going to have guys like that that are going to be on your staff or a guy that has like an inning where he gets blown up and the manager leaves him in for a while, and that's going to inflate it up to there. He's still in my range. He's on the edge of my range, but I'll keep him. Okay, that's Chase and Shreve. I'll keep him. I mean, he's 30 years old, though. So does he matter to you in the long term? No, he's a body in your bullpen. So if you need a body in your bullpen, he's fine. Because, you know, what if he has a really good year and then all of a sudden you're able to deal him in 2022, right? That's what you're looking for. From Chase and Shreve, you are not looking at him to be a guy when the chips are down in a couple of years and you're in the World Series. He's not going to be on the team and he's not going to be somebody you rely on unless something drastic happens to his career. But he could be a guy that this year goes out, and, you know, gets that whip down, a, you know, close to one even, has a great first half and you're dealing him and you're picking something up. And, and in the meantime, he's a body. Here's another guy. You're thinking about the the age. This guy's 31 years old. Okay, so he falls in the same he falls in the same category to me. Yeah, and he has a one point one WAR, right? A three point six three ERA, and a one point two nine eight WHIP. He's a mop up reliever with that WHIP on a competitive team. Uh, and again, he's towards the back end. It would come down to whether or not he's going to cost you a lot of money. And if you could save some some money on him, like I don't know what he's projected to be this pitcher, but he, this would be a guy that I wouldn't have a problem moving on from, just because of the, his age, thirty one years old. Uh, the whip is not anything that's impressive, and I, unless he has previous seasons where he's shown a much lower one, 
that makes me think that he just had a, a, a turbulent year and he can bounce back. I'd move on. And, and, it, and best case scenario, he's a body like Sharif. Yeah, and this is <laughs> this one right here. This is just Chris Stratton. Oh, and he's got an ARB number that people believe he's going to be worth $2.2 million? Move on. Save the money. Put it in the war chest. Move on. Yeah, and that would be the same with Chase and Shreve because he's $2.3 million. Well, if I had to pick between either one of them, Shreve would win. Isn't that crazy what I'm doing here? But that's how I feel. Like, I'm just like, ah, I'll just keep Shreve over. Like, keep one of them. Which one do you like the most? Who's the most fun at parties? Who, when you go out for a steak dinner with the team, says, I'll pick up that bill? Like, you know, who's the guy that, like, you know, you go out to a bar and he wants that one extra round. You like having him around. He's a people person. He's good for your dugout. That's the guy you keep moving on from the other one. You don't need them both. They're the same guy. You don't need them both. And this one should be pretty quick, Chris. This is going to be our last reliever. A negative one war. A 7.04 ERA. And a 1.748 whip. By the way, I could have these stats. If they, if they activated me uh, immediately and they put me out there on the mound, I think with, you know, 62 miles an hour of speed coming off my arm, just confusing people like a position player pitching, I could have these stats. Jettison this relief pitcher into the sun and don't look back. And that's Cody Ponce. Bye. <laughs> I mean, seriously, look, what are we making friends here or trying to build a team? Goodbye. It's terrible. That's a terrible yeah. year. That's and an that's, awful and year. And that's where our, that's where like the bullpen. Right. I mean, it's just like you're saying, Chris, in the beginning, it was like, okay, right now, David Bednar is the only one that matters and everybody else is just pieces. They're just pieces. Exactly. They're just pieces. The two guys that you brought up. That I said, pick one and move on. You know, they're you're they're probably your second and third best guys. <laughs> like, they like are, and you have they were. To, right. And so, like, here's the thing: if if Ben Charrington decides that, look, I don't have very much at all, so I really need to keep them both. That's fine. You're spending money on them, so you better really think that they're going to all of a sudden do something here this season where somebody's going to say, "Hey, we're going to give you a prospect to pick this guy up in July because we need another relief pitcher." That and. and do you think that that's possible? And is it worth $2 million? I don't know what your financial situation is. But in reality, Bednar is the only guy who's a really good pitcher on your team. Yeah, so now we got to go to the, the starting rotation, which, as we know, this year wasn't wasn't much better. And we got to move, too, because I'm looking at this. It's 30 minutes a bucks. We're at to like 25 minutes here. So let's. I'll, I'll, I won't talk as much. Let's go. Okay, so we got a, we got a starting pitcher, 24 games started, 5.36 ERA, and a 1.295 whip. I would... How old is he? He is 27 years old. I would and keep him. He, and here's, here's why I'm keeping him. 27 years old, there's still... Uh, there are pitchers that develop and get better after that. You're within my range, although you're on the border of it, of a guy who could actually pitch on a championship team as the fourth or fifth starter uh, because you're lower than a 1.30 whip. Uh, so I, I would give you another chance. I would keep you around. Even with that high ERA, I would say you're also, you know, you, you know, I don't think we have anybody that's a pitcher on this team that has had a long enough time as a starting pitcher that their story is completely written. I would say that this is probably a guy who had a really good stretch for us at some point this year, then had a bad stretch, probably suffered an injury, 
and these stats could actually be better next year if they come back strong and they have another year of development. I keep them around and, and I keep them in the rotation. That's JT Brubaker. I agree with that. I think I would and do you that. and you just described JT Brubaker season yeah. without even knowing who it was. I know. Is that amazing? <laughs> You're like you're like that old I uh, what was it the uh, Johnny Carson character yeah. where like you, you you hold the thing up and you blow it you blow the envelope open and you're like oh that that's what that is that's yeah. who that guy is that's who I was I mean like look you give me give me stats at the end of the year of a pitcher I could probably name the pitcher or at least tell you enough about the pitcher or what they are the stats don't lie after 162 you know they don't especially when it comes to your walks and hits per innings pitch. That you could really figure out who a guy is because that's the thing that to me, that has always been the simplest indicator. Do you put guys on base? Because if you put guys on base, there's more of a chance that guys score on you or guys drive in runs. And then, you know, you can look at all these other stats and they, they'll all tell you little things and the, you know, all these, all these crazy sabermetric stats, but that's the one I feel like that's more important than your ERA or your wins and losses. It's the most important stat that I look at on a line. On the back of the baseball card. So here we go. Here we go. A guy, we'll just go straight to the whip then, Chris. He's got yeah. a 1.569 Goodbye. whip. Goodbye. One point. You're giving up. You're putting more than a runner and a half on base every inning. I mean, unless he's young, unless he's a prospect, unless he's somebody that, like, this was his first year in, in, on the team, okay, and you you feel like there's development to be done, uh, you're not very good. How old is he? He is 26 years old, and this was his rookie season. You have Will Crow. Oh, see? <laughs> Again, it's like I had a feeling there, but I was like, you know, unless, that's the truth, unless unless he's young. So that that's a, that's a developmental thing. That's the organization. That's guys that are smarter than me. They're on the ground looking at him and saying, is there something we see here that's fixable, and are there positives where at the end of the year he had fix some things or can work on some things for next year to make that better because it was his first year in the majors. So I'm not going to say throw him off the team because that's really up to your player development people. How could I make that choice on a guy in his first year? Yeah. So here we go. Here's a guy who's, who's been around for a little bit. He's got a 4.82 ERA. He's got a 1.432 whip. And he's been around for a while. Yeah. He's uh He's got one, two, three, four, five seasons under his belt. Uh, he's not a starting pitcher, that's for sure. And uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, here's the thing. It, it, we know that the Pirates are going to take some of their starters and move them into the bullpen. So the real question would be, I'd have to break down whether or not in his first inning or two, he's got better stats. Like, does he give up all those runs in innings four, five, and six? And if he does, and he's really effective in one inning, then he goes to the bullpen. If he's not, then he's jettisoned from the team completely. But he's not a starting pitcher on the 2022 Pirates. And that's that's actually Chad Cool, who we moved to the bullpen at the end of the season, and his numbers got even worse. Then he's gone. A six a six point seven five ERA. Right. A one point eight zero zero WHIP. Then I'd move on from him. Honestly, I mean, look, you have so many other pitchers. You have so many other things. You got to go out there and find talent. If a guy can't hang on, after that's after 162 and a couple of years. It's move on time. You're a rebuilding team. Do you really do you envision him doing anything for you when you're when you're out there in the postseason a couple of years from now? Do you, is he coming in and doing something incredible to get your team over to hump in a big situation? No, move on. And this one's kind of tough because I'm gonna do, I gotta do two years and then we gotta wrap this up here. But All right. In 2020, started 10 games, 
a 338 ERA okay. and a 1.195 whip. This past year started seven games, a 586 ERA and a 1.627 whip. So a good 2020 in a small sample size, but 10 games was really like those two months. I mean, you did most of those two months. An even smaller sample size where you do where you do poorly. Wow. I mean, that's a borderline player. I mean, on a bad team, which is the Pirates, I guess he's your fifth starter, or he's somebody you're trying out in the bullpen if he's good in shorts in in short spurts. That that's I mean, the fact that he only pitched seven games makes me think he was injured at the beginning of the year and coming out of an injury, it might not have been fully healed. So the 2020 stats may be more useful. So again, it becomes a player development thing. It becomes like that that is a hard one to kind of go just off the numbers with, but it would have to, you know, was he injured at the beginning of the year? Was he um was he dealing with something all year long? Is he good in short spurts where you're moving him to the bullpen? Does your player development group look at him and say 2020 was real and these other circumstances caused 2021? And since we're a bad team and we've got lots of spots open in this rotation, we can at least give him a chance to to try to make the team in spring training. That's, I guess, where I would be. Steven Brault. All right. What do you think of that assessment? Um, I, I was ready to jettison him into the sun. If he can stay healthy, this is where I went with Steven Brault. And this is just real quick. Steven Brault is... You know, his arbitration number is $2.2 million. Isn't he right around 30 years old, too? Yeah. Yeah, so what? what is he going to become at this point? So, yeah, I mean, I guess if they got rid of him, I wouldn't be upset at all. I would never say, ah, you made a mistake on that one. I mean, likely, he's never going to be anything great. Unless somebody in your organization saw something in 2020 that they're like, once we get him right, and we, and we think he's going to be healthy, then we want to at least give him an opportunity. You might not offer him arbitration and then bring him back on a lesser deal. And that was going to be, that was my suggestion that I made was pretty much don't offer him arbitration. See if he'll come back in a minor league deal. Right. I mean, look, look at Carlos Rodon this year for the White Sox was not offered arbitration because he had an injury history and because he was an up and down player for the last few years, but he was a draft pick. So they didn't offer him arbitration and then nobody else wanted him. And as it got close to the end, he basically said, I'd like to stay with the same organization. He had a spectacular year and then of course broke down at the end because He's an injury-prone player. And so that's probably how the Pirates would handle this in the middle of a rebuild. Yeah, and and maybe if he does well enough in the first half, he's a he's a lefty who can come out of the bullpen. He's been a starter at times, and maybe trade him. But I, I wouldn't give him the arbitration. I'd make him come back uh, on, a, on a lesser deal. And if he walked away, there's other guys just like him that are going to be out there you can replace him with. See, here's the thing. As we wrap this up, there are an awful lot of other pitchers that are just like these guys that are on other teams. So when you're looking at arbitration numbers, it comes down to whether or not Ben Charrington really believes in that guy, or is he just another guy that falls into another category? And this is where your pro scouting comes in because your pro scout should be able to scout your own team and say, this guy has potential. This guy sucks. And then be able to look out there and say, but this other guy out here that this other team is tired of their trash is actually a bigger treasure than our trash. So don't offer arbitration because there's this guy and this guy and this guy. And if we can grab one or two of them out there, we think we have a better potential because that's what your pro scouting tells you. And again, teams that rebuild, it's not just signing free agents. It's not just drafting well. It's amateur scouting, pro scouting, and player development. And if you don't have that, it doesn't matter what you do during this rebuild. 
You're just going to put together a team that doesn't mesh right together, that still has holes in it. You're going to have to cover with money. You have an owner that doesn't do anything with money, really. And you're not going to make it to the promised land. And this will all be for nothing. So that's where we're going to find out, does pro scouting and amateur scouting and all these other things with player development, does it exist within the Pirates? And if it doesn't, is Ben Charrington making that change? Another thing to look for this offseason. Now I see the changes in this town.